Hello, my name is Alicia Jordan, and in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about juvenile delinquency and the course that I took at Elon University this semester. So prior to the semester, I had not taken any sort of justice classes or law classes or anything like that. I'm a senior, and I've always been interested in the law ever since I was little. My parents would say to me, be a lawyer, become a lawyer, become a lawyer. But I'm a music major, I'm a singer, that's what I want to do. But I really was interested in taking a class, so I figured it's my last year, I'll take one. And um, I didn't know anything about the juvenile justice system, really at all. The only thing I'd really seen was a couple years ago, I watched an episode of SVU, and I saw that this kid was tried as as an adult, which I didn't even know was a possibility, didn't know it was a thing. So that really opened my eyes. Um, And I hadn't seen it in my life at all, not at all. You know, I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts, primarily white, that was pretty much middle class to wealthy. And it's not that these kids didn't commit crimes because they did. Trust me, they did. It's that it it wasn't it wasn't taken as seriously. It was more like, oh, their kids slap on a wrist. Um and from now what I'm seeing it's they were committing a lot of the same crimes as these other kids who go to trial and actually spend time in a detention center so that's insane um even in my school when I was in middle school a kid in my grade created this website that was comprised of all these girls pictures of them naked and he got in trouble but not not any serious trouble from from what I understand you know I don't necessarily know but I know that he didn't spend time in a detention center and there was a rumor that he had to register as a sex offender but I don't even know if that's true but this was a huge scandal like we made national news it was insane because we were only like 12 years old so that was like the biggest kind of crime that I saw when I was little or younger, being committed, so I didn't really know too much, and, and now that, like, I've started this class, I would, I've talked to other people about, you know, juveniles, and kind of why their delinquent behaviors come about, and, and I've noticed that the narrative from these, like, uneducated people is insane. They think, you know, that, these kids are, one, bad kids, which is not the correct narrative at all. These kids, most of them are not bad kids. They also think that they all come from these poor neighborhoods, inner cities, which is true. Some of them do, but not all of them. Not all of them at all. 
and uh, another point of view that I found was was I was talking to someone about gang life and how it's really affected our country and this person genuinely believed (laughs) that all the gang behavior in the U.S. came from Mexico and, and South America that it was those people coming in and starting the gangs I told them no like have you not heard of of the bloods of these of these famous gangs like they are American gangs it's a it's a big issue in our country and that's so wrong of a narrative to think that it's these immigrants coming in and causing all this gang life because that is not the case at all so what what I know now the information the facts that I know now you know are, are that the juvenile system is a part of the ju- justice system that includes law enforcement officers the courts the correctional agencies and all of these these programs are designed to treat these youthful offenders now how many of these youth are offenders well about 1.5 million youth under the age of 18 a year get arrested for crimes ranging from loitering to murder 1.5 million which is an insanely large number and and the issue kind of in the issue in this system is that a lot of these judges base their sentencing decisions on the need to punish these youth offenders in order to protect the victims. And they go that route instead of thinking, okay, let's take this youth Let's put them in a program. Let's put them in a treatment program and and try to show them that life can be different. But this doesn't need to be the path that they go down. And that's the biggest part of it, I think. That's really the biggest part of it, is that these kids don't see a different way. They don't see a different path, a different lifestyle for them. So if we look back and we look at at these kids and we study their lives, we typically see that there's something going on. Something going on, whether it's, you know, they don't have two parents at home or one parent isn't doing well or they live in one of these poorer areas of our country where there's a lot of violence and that's all they see. All their peers are joining these gangs and 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 taking part in these criminal behaviors. Or we see that a lot of times these behaviors are out of survival needs. A lot of the crimes that are being committed by youth is theft and we see that a lot of times it's for economical gain or for survival so these kids who are really poor 
Sometimes they don't see another way. Don't see another quick fix way. You know, they, they, I'm sure that they have people telling them and, and these community programs that go in and try to mentor these kids and, and the people at school that are trying to help these kids are saying, well, you can get a job. And of course they can get a job, but that's not quick fix money. That's not going to, that's not going to pay the water bill. That's not going to pay the electric bill. That's not going to buy the groceries right away that they need that day. So that's what, that's what we see through the research is that, you know, these kids are not born bad. And there's so many theories. There's so many theories around this. You know, some people think it's, it's something from the get-go. Right out of the get-go, these kids are destined to commit crimes, are destined to do these bad things. I don't believe that. I have never believed that. I think that there are so many factors in our lives that lead us in different directions. And that there's always a chance to go into a different direction. There's always a chance to make a change. So this theory that talks about, you know, these things that have happened over the course of these youth's lives thus far. It's called the life course theory. And, you know, it talks about how people have multiple traits. You know, they have the social part of them. They have the psychological part of them. And then they have the economic part. So, like I was talking about, the family is a huge part of this. Huge part of this. If there's psychological abuse in the family that affects a kid so much there's physical abuse sexual abuse any form of abuse is going to affect this kid psychologically if there's not economic stability in their family in their lives that's going to affect a kid immensely because it applies so much pressure on the kid and Maybe changes their social aspects, which is a huge part of it. Do these kids have friends? Are they social? When they are social, who are they being social with? You know, these peers influence behavior so much. So if these kids are friends with kids who like to go into the candy shop and steal a candy bar, that behavior is very likely to be adapted by that kid. So... These disruptions in life's major transitions can be destructive and can ultimately lead to delinquent behaviors. So we, we look at, at the early stages of kids. And these kids who are engaging in antisocial behaviors at very early ages are the ones that are most at risk for delinquent behaviors and a delinquency career. Now, if, if there's a cluster of antisocial behaviors that may include, you know, family dysfunction, like I talked about, substance abuse, like I talked about, pregnancy, all these different things, it makes them way more likely to go into crime because of all these clusters. If they start this life of crime, and it continues, and it's repeated, 
you know, when they're really young, these adolescents are going to still be antisocial when they become an older adolescence in their middle teens. And that, that's going to affect things and maybe lead to bigger crimes. But what we do know from this is that throughout all these major disruptions, major factors, major things that happen in everyone's lives, and some are bigger than others, we know that positive life experience can change, can change the narrative in our lives, can change the course of our lives. So we see that these positive life experience help these juvenile delinquents steer away from crime for a while. And that's a big thing. And, and another thing is that like, as people mature, the factors that influence their behavior change. This is something that we know. This is something that we see in everyone's lives. So as people get older, behaviors change. And that's, that's why these treatment programs are so important, I think, because these kids are going to mature. They're going to change. They need to be given a chance to change. If they're stuck in juvie for, you know, in a, in a detention center for years and years and years, they're not necessarily given the opportunity to mature and the opportunity to have their behaviors change because they're not out there doing it. So like we've seen, when these kids get out, they lose, they lose that motivation. They lose their dreams. They lose the idea that, okay, I can really do whatever I want. Because it seems like time is passing them by and they don't have the opportunity to go get educated and go get a job and do whatever. Or if they do have the opportunity to get a job, it's not necessarily going to be a great one that makes them financially stable because they have that on their record. So the question is, how do we solve this issue? And it's so tough. Like, I think that these community programs that are going in to these places, these high crime places, high violent places, are doing a great job. And I think that it's really important that we continue that. We need people going in and becoming mentors for these kids. People, We need people going in who, who were those kids and got out of it and led a successful life to go in and show them. Because I think the biggest thing is that these youths don't see a different option. They don't see a different way. So if they physically see someone in front of them who's done it, it's going to make a huge change. If they're, if they're educated on what their life could be like, it's going to make a huge change. And I think the courts need to see that. I think that, you know, these judges need to focus more on let's, you know, take these kids, put them into treatment programs so that this doesn't happen again, so that there aren't more victims that we need to protect. Let's try to change the course of this youth's life. Let's Let's change it because typically if you commit one crime and you're punished for it, you are more likely to commit more. So I think you need to surround these kids with support. If they're supported, they need to be punished, of course, in in a sense. They need to know that, that what they did wasn't okay. But they also need to know that that 
didn't need to happen and let's figure out ways that doesn't happen again. And I think also we need people to go into the communities and and help the families. And if the families have support, if the families are overcoming these economical hardships or psychological hardships and they're getting the help that they they need, those youths are going to see that, that it's okay to reach out for help. It's okay if you're struggling to get help. And I think that that would make a huge difference if we go in to these families, to these areas, and we see what we can do for them, help them, it's going to be a huge difference. So thank you for listening, and I hope everyone has a great day.